0: to Tom.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah. Thanks, Will.
0: How you doing? It's a celebration. Wow. God damn it. It's, was- Tom, it's Tom's birthday. If you follow the Roast Mortem podcast or the Heavy Hole podcast, wish Tom a happy birthday.
1: Yeah, do it or don't. It's fine. No, no you know you're, you're late. late. Yeah, I was just, just going to say. Dude. Unless you're on Hi. the extra good feed where you're listening to unless- this live.
0: Unless you don't celebrate birthdays, yeah. I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't want to offend anybody.
1: Uh, so check out the Twitch feed to find us live.
0: I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck, and mm-hmm. I just naturally twitch. It's I. I have high blood pressure. I'm sorry. Mm. It's a, what's going on? Who are you?
2: Yeah. Uh, hi, uh, Justin. Uh, I'm 34 years old. I'm from <laughs> Long Island, New York. Uh, I like, I like bad TV shows. I'm um, currently watching um, Forged in Fire. Uh, just been really powerhousing through. That's a the First one, couple eh? of seasons. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I also uh, get high and laugh uh, really loud to myself to uh, old Seinfeld episodes. Um, nice. But nice. I laugh yeah. at the parts that uh, you Aren't probably wouldn't think are funny. The credits. Thank you so much. My name is Justin. Hi. T- uh, hi, Tom. Hey. <laughs> Happy birthday. Well, welcome,
0: Thanks. Justin. Welcome, Justin. <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you're welcome. We're the that same I age came. again. That's great. Yeah. Finally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so every once in a while, that's that's what it's like when planets collide. I yeah, know.
1: just planets colliding for three hundred and forty days of the year.
0: Oh boy! Well, yeah. enough about worms. When you uh, really zoom out, yeah, it's great band. <laughs> There's so many great, stars. Excellent and- band. Yeah. Excellent.
1: <laughs> that's all, yeah.
0: Welcome to the Heavy Old Podcast. No, it, it like look. All kidding aside, you're here. I'm here. I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. Um, how was your weekend, Tom? What's going on, buddy? Uh, it's- Pretty good, you know. I'm still getting over my
1: Nashville hangover, I suppose. Yeah. Which I mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm mentioning. I don't know yeah. how we're cutting But either way, uh, live music. I don't think I'm ever going to a live show again. Because you go to Nashville and they poison you. Allegedly. Yeah, they poison you with live music. <clears throat> and you, and you want to go home to your
0: Airbnb. That's how I feel when I see uh, emotional metalcore bands who sold tickets to open up for immolation and malignancy oh, bands dude. Of, of that ilk. I feel poisoned with music when I have to sit through bad <laughs> bands who sold tickets to open up for good bands. Uh but that's a story for another tale. Um you talked about TV. Yeah. Has anyone seen this T V show I did. where there's like <laughs> yes, a, I yeah. yeah, there's like a kid and he's into black metal, but it's kinda like it's like my so-called life or the wonder years oh or something yeah I, we gotta get the actual name of this yeah do do we do we really have to i mean do we have to promote this i'm gonna do let, let me you know just go to my about.
2: let me go to my play next on netflix or no. i
0: mean it's kind of like the lords of chaos movie but like less less sick less and <laughs> in, less informed <laughs> like less substance like, i don't like, know what to say. yeah it's, i
2: uh, the name of the show is—it's uh, called Metal Lords. Whoa, a
0: metal—they call it. Come on, Metal Lords. So the, Lords of Chaos comes out, and they come out with Metal Lords. That's like Metal
2: Lords. I watch a show that should be called Metal Lords. It's called Forge and Fire. Mm. It's about making uh, well, yeah, <laughs> swords you're, and, you're, and knives.
1: You're you're thinking very directly.
2: And everybody on there pays taxes, like me.
1: All right, and well, my I, friends. I want to watch this real quick. This this uh, Netflix. You guys want to put on those headphones? You
2: uh,
0: how about this, Tom? Yeah. Let's let's beeline all of this to the Patreon. We will watch it and we will review it, but we're going to cut this out and throw it on Patreon for all people, right. all right? So uh, we'll do a smooth edit here. Okay. That was some sick Patreon content, Tom. Yeah, I'd say so.
2: <laughs> I'm so happy I subscribed to patreon.com slash post. Oh, boy. I'm going to do
0: it twice. Listen, guys, in all seriousness, though, um, we have a band on tonight. Called Karate Steve Hell yeah Yeah I mean it's not The most serious band name But it's a serious fucking band They're from Massachusetts All four members of the band Were able to join me For this interview Mm. Uh, Buckle up Or don't We're in Massachusetts I mean you know
1: Let's fucking buckle up man (laughs) Put that belt on Put on that black belt
0: heavy hole podcast and i'm here with all four members that would be earl zach rob and ben of karate steve from massachusetts how you doing guys
3: What up, yeah, good, 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 up man? what's up
0: yeah big boston uh, introduction there man you guys are from boston <laughs> or just outside of boston
4: a little bit of both yeah so two of us live in boston proper and then two of the guys are up north yeah i live i live like 10 minutes outside the city and uh Earl's actually from your neck of the woods originally. Maybe not exactly, but he's a Jersey asshole.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, like I always say, when I got a few different band members on, I'm going to take it slow. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say, I remember when, when before we turned the video feed off, Earl was uh, right there at the end. So, Earl, let's start with you, um, and, and we'll give everybody a couple of minutes to, to give their due. But, Earl, you're originally from New Jersey?
3: Yeah, I grew up in Trenton, unfortunately. <laughs> and then I've been uh, living up in Boston for, like, 15 years now. But, uh, yeah, I was, like, down in Jersey for, for the first half of my life.
0: All right, musicians in your family or anybody who steered you towards playing music or hard music?
3: Uh, pop, play, guitar, and whatnot. Um, he's the one that got me into, like, ZZ Top, which I still like to this day. Hell, yeah. Um, but really, that was, like, about as far as he went with music was basically just playing a limiter on repeat until I was 16 years old. <laughs> That's uh, a good start, <laughs> uh but nobody else like really played serious uh and then i guess i got into like really got into music uh through uh uh like the hardcore scene down in jersey uh a buddy's older brother was supposed to watch us one night when my mother was out doing whatever the hell and uh brought us to see uh agnostic front and then uh i don't know i was like 12 maybe 11 12 something like that and it scared the shit out of me and uh that's really what got me interested in like music and like like seriously
0: interested in music. Wow! Any recollections from that Agnostic Front show? What what, what was so crazy, man?
3: Uh, well, I mean, that was at uh, City Gardens in Trenton, which was like a violent hellhole. Uh so it was great. I mean, it was freaking great. Uh, but it was just you know like having like I mean my like only experience with, like with rock music prior to that was like like I said like like stadium rock. Yeah, and then you know it's just like people going ape shit and like like oh like you don't need a light show to like be a band like you can just fucking just play your heart out i don't know it was just like uh it was just a completely different thing and uh and as, as like as like a you know a, a, a kid with maybe a pube uh and then you're just <laughs> <laughs> you know it was just, it was just it was just it was just freaking wild um so like that's what got me interested like like really interested in music and then, of course, like then, like late '90s, like as like a teenager and whatnot, there was tons of great bands from New Jersey with all the sort of like technical post-hardcore bands like Dillinger and Burnt by the Sun and all that stuff. A little bit later on, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's really what got me in. It was like sort of like the the quote unquote like short hair metal scene.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like uh, I'm thinking of like Dead Guy.
3: Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. A
0: lot of a lot of cool shit. For a uh, Drowning Man was from Jersey, right?
3: Uh, Man was actually like, I think they were Vermont, actually, although they played in Jersey all the time. But I think they okay. were actually based out of Burlington for a while.
0: Okay. All right. I got, all right. I got that wrong. All right. Um, but, um, well, mo- moving forward, though, is bass your first instrument and when does that start?
3: Uh, so yeah, I always uh, started playing on bass initially just because, of course, the same way everybody starts playing bass, everybody else already has guitars. Uh, so bass was the first instrument. Um, and then I guess I started playing, I don't really like the that uh, that agnostic front show i probably started i probably got a bass three months later um and started to learn how to play um so then now i've been playing for i don't know basically 30 years now Um uh, almost 30 years um but uh you know and then from like the hardcore scene once you realize like a lot of this music isn't like i've been playing for nine months and i can already play all these songs like then you start getting more interested in like more technical stuff just because it's like, you want to push, push yourself. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I started playing, I guess, like I said, if I saw that show when I was 11, I got a bass when I was 12.
0: Wow. Okay. So there, there's obviously a long history there with music. Um, have you been in any bands that have toured, have put out releases that our listeners might be familiar with?
3: uh been in a bunch of bands none of them really did a whole ton ben and i were in a band together prior to this um called splatter effect which is like a straight up death metal band Mm -hmm. um and uh but prior to that um played in a bunch of grind bands that never did a whole lot played in like some like i don't know like awful prog rock bands that we can just forget about (laughs) um but uh uh, i mean i mean and then i mean uh, shit i played in a wedding band too like just trying to pay bills um but uh wow. as far as like anything that people be interested in uh that like bands that actually did did much splatter did more than 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 any of the others
0: okay i, I i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna get all, all the way into it i'm not gonna break up any names i went to a wedding over the weekend and the the craziest thing that ever happened at a wedding that I've been to, they were on the altar getting ready to exchange vows, and an older lady just fell down in the back of the <laughs> the, the building. She hit her head and she was bleeding from her head, and they had to shut down the whole thing. She was okay. Jesus. They you know they took her out, but she was okay, and, and they they restarted the whole thing. But man, yeah, that was wild, man um <laughs> so i i'm sorry i'm sorry to you
4: can't lead, you can't lead you? with an old lady <laughs> fell down and expect us not to start laughing
0: no I, it was in high i mean look i I also said she was okay so we could laugh about it now everybody all was all right. everybody was cool at the end of the day but it was wild so but I, and i'm sorry to interject i'm not trying to steal this the show but i gotta ask you being in the wedding band did you have any interesting wedding stories
3: uh not really uh, I will say, you know, however, every wedding band claims to take requests and they usually make you write your request down. And we'll get to it in the next set. That's all bullshit because if you write uh, your request down, and put it in the next set. They just play the set list they
0: had planned anyway. Okay. So that's a little
3: that's a little that's a little inside trick of the trade. But as far as like interesting wedding stories, just I'm just there for the paycheck, man. That's it.
0: OK, I, I guess I go to some weird weddings because I got a few others, man. But we'll save that for, <laughs> for another time. <laughs> <laughs> um okay and and earl at this point then man um before we get too far ahead because i want i want to kind of get how how you guys all get in together um let's go i believe next was was zach uh zach yep. you want to kind of give us a, a, a little rundown on your history in terms of music if there's any musicians in your family and your your history kind of growing up with music huh.
5: uh, my upbringing was more straight suburban my parents didn't really play instruments my mom claimed she did but all she did was play flute in high school and that and stopped and i was like mom that doesn't count (laughs) but it for me it was just i don't know i was i've moved around a lot as a kid actually i grew i started in mass when i was a kid but then i ended up in georgia for a while and also california Hmm. and moving around a lot just kind of you kind of start over multiple times so for me it was like music was just kind of like i just listened to it a lot and i started playing actually i did the school band thing as a, you know, they basically hand you the sheet in third grade and go like, "All right, in fourth grade's coming up, what instrument do you want to play?" And it's literally like you put a number down. You choose one, two, or three. What do you want to play? So one was drums, two was trumpet, and three was saxophone. And they gave me drums, and that's basically started fourth grade playing. Oh. You know, three blind mice, and here I am now. But basically, it was like for me, drums was more of a It was was a me thing. It was like my family wasn't really into music. My, my, I think my parents actually regretted getting me the drum kit. (laughs) They really (laughs) did. The the first one, and because I wanted to do jazz band when I got to around I think tenth grade or something, and because I was getting into rock music, and so my parents did listen to good music though. They we a huge collection of classic rock stuff, and so I grew up on the my as a drummer favorites are like Rush, the Police, and my dad had all the pink floyd records so like i got a lot of as an audio guy it was really cool like here like going back to that now and being like wow those records were killer and understanding that so like at least the exposure was good to that but like i got into heavy music kind of on my own and just started hearing things and especially as a drummer like i find heavy music to be quite it's like an it's like a sport it's like watching it's such a intense activity and it was more and more and more i watched it the more and more heavier things got for me because you know it started with lars and metallica obviously when i was a kid and the radio station in georgia where i lived had mandatory metallica (laughs) so i literally had my stereo with the tape recorder ready to go i recorded all the episodes every time and i just play the throughout the week and i just kind of learn all the songs and then try to find people to jam with as much as i could and because some of the areas I lived not not a lot of the kids listen to metal there a lot of the kids were listening to other stuff pop and whatever so occasionally you'd, I'd find the the heavy metal kids to play with which was fun and then I think I got more into the metal stuff though when I got to California and uh, especially the West Coast thing because I ended up in landing in Livermore, which is uh, right next to Dublin where guys like Exodus and testament are from. So there's a lot of thrash metal out there. And then, so I started hearing that stuff and then I had friends in college turn me on to emperor. And like, then I got into like tech death stuff that was, it just kind of just evolved. All right. And so it was just kind of a, a self-discovery journey and then trying to learn how to play all that stuff too was also a mostly a self-taught thing as well, which was, it was fun and interesting all at the same time but also very frustrating. It, you know, it sounds you wanna, like you got you, a,
0: a different exposure than from different regions. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, every you went, you got something yeah, different. Like, it was like it was like second grade when I left
5: the Northeast, and then like so coming up in the, the Southeast, that's when like the new metal. I'm like I'm on the younger side from the rest of the band, but um, still close. But like the new metal stuff was more of a thing, especially because in Georgia there was like bands like Seven Dust were coming up, and so there's a bit of a scene there for that. And like, so I had my time in the new metal stuff, but it never quite stuck with me the same way as like Metallica did. And like the, and then when I heard Pantera for the first time, I just, my mind just like exploded. Huh. Cause Vinnie Paul was like one of my favorite drummers of all time. They so, must,
0: they must've been pretty big down there.
5: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was living in Georgia at the time when the, they were still fl- Like you see the, the old flag. They didn't change the flag yeah, yet, so yeah. you had the Confederate flag in, as part of the as part of the main state flag, and then all the kids and like you'd see the high school kids roll by with the raised trucks and the flying the Confederate flag. Surprisingly, saw that in California too. Not sure why, <laughs> but you know it's like East Bay is full of interesting people. The farther east you start going in California, the weirder it gets. Well, right. also farther west you go, we gets weird too. Either way, every direction. Well, they, at, they, they, at, yeah, least, at least
0: they had thrash they had that going for them out there
5: <laughs> yeah yeah thrash there it was funny too like especially with rock music in the south though because my parents always listen to the radio you get more of the southern rock so i got exposed to skinnerd and and a bunch of the other stuff too and like you get to hear the different flavors of stuff and i think as a musician it kind of helped because then you when you as a drummer when you start to get into feel and, and different stuff like with our music it's different we're like all over the place sometimes with styles like because I've done everything from jazz to death metal and like it's fun to incorporate certain aspects of that in the music.
0: Yeah there's I, you know I, I, without getting too far ahead mm-hmm. into karate, Steve because I'm trying to like, you know set up set up the uh, the beginnings of you guys all coming together now but there's a lot of different influences in there. I described it to someone I was talking to today because you guys were nice enough to let me preview your upcoming album uh, no way out but through um which is coming out later this month 429 22 it's more of like it sounds to me like just like a, like it's like a hard rock album um by people who are informed on, on a good range of death metal and hardcore uh, respectfully that's a good that's actually
5: i think a pretty good way to put that yeah, very good description like, yeah. yeah very good description
0: yeah i mean so it, it makes it makes a lot of sense when you guys talk about the different influences and now um uh, the the other two members, um, Rob. Let's go to you. Um, same line of questioning. Um, are I, I feel are you are you the two guys who are like more like like straight up uh, Boston um, from what I remember before? Are you from Boston and like music in the family and that sort of thing?
6: Yeah. <clears throat> so originally from Western Mass, um, you know, the, from a of Springfield, and uh, you know, as far as like music in the family goes. You know, my, my mom's side of the family was pretty musical, you know, all like, like uh, brass players and shit like that. Um, right. My mom's sexual twin brother, he he's, you know, an accomplished trombonist and he played in like, I think he might still plays in the Orlando Symphony Orchestra, like high levels, high level shit. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, as far as getting into music, it was like. You know, one of those things, Like, you know, I grew up in like 1990 drop D, right? You know, every every band, every, you know, it was like, all right, everyone's doing this thing now. And, you know, it, it, it was it was during that time, you know, kind of like, you know, Nirvana was 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 huge enough, but it was starting to get into like almost that new metal phase or whatever. And uh, that that first White Zombie album that came out, although not drop D was the one that really was like, OK, shit, I got to learn how to play guitar now. So I was probably like 12 and 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 that was it man you know um but the but the scene in in western mass was was crazy right it was you know it was springfield hartford area huge hardcore scene not so much metal but uh i just remember going to like pearl street northampton seeing mad shows there and 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 vfw shows in like holyoke and in that area out there it was it was it was it was pretty massive for sure
0: all right um yeah, Holyoke isn't that there's a a big venue there that has a lot of shows there, right? I'm trying to think of the place. It's it's like a um, uh, there there's like two two big huge open rooms that, that that bands play in and things, and there's like a nightclub attached, and there's a the, uh, kind of an outdoor deck area to it. Uh, uh there
6: was a waterfront there that the was water pretty front. heavy in the metal yeah I, yeah you know that was like that was kind of after i left the area but uh there was a, a a ton of a ton of amazing shows that happened there yeah okay, uh, pearl okay. street northampton was probably the place right i mean you could see any hardcore band any metal band you know you could see i hate god in the late 90s things like that i think i, I saw deftones in like 96 there on the adrenaline tour wow uh, i think okay. i was a freshman in high school um you know anything you know it was it was i was exposed to a lot of great music in that area and uh and you know between being near like umass amherst and and you know that's like where jay massix grew up from dinosaur junior right like it was all all that stuff was at your disposal so it was was pretty rad
0: okay and as you go through the years playing guitar um when you know when do you start playing original songs maybe do you do you ever have a band that yeah, tours yeah, you, know, or, I, you know
6: i've been in i've been in band since i was like you know 12 years old or whatever but uh um it's one of those things where i've been in bands and, and 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 it gets to the point where you're you know you're ready to start touring or record and then you break up right i can't tell many can't tell you how many times that's happened right yeah so it's, it's a bunch of bands with no notoriety <laughs> and uh and, and that was that's like that's like 15 years of my musical career right there right
4: it's like us rob yeah <laughs> i
5: think it's like most of our careers are like that it's like basically all the all the past stuff and then it finally just we finally put it all together
6: and like so one thing to mention that's like you know i think super important to our band in general is you know how earl and i met really right so um you know, after, after leaving Western Mass, I went to college or whatever. And then immediately after that, um, I was I was interested in how to make musical instruments, right? Guitars specifically. And I uh, went to a school in Phoenix, Arizona called Roberto Vent School Luthery. Uh, learned the trade of making guitars and, and in doing so, uh, uh, landed a job back in Boston at this uh, place called First Act and worked in the custom guitar building shop there. And uh, that's where I met Earl. He, he he had the same trajectory as me, right? Um, went to the same school, different classes or whatever, different years. But we sat next to each other for what, like eight years?
3: Eight long. <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't we say we were necessarily <laughs>
6: friends, but we sat next to each other for that long every day.
4: You guys uh, still aren't friends.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but it, it, was, it was a pretty amazing job that definitely probably got us to where we are today right i mean we made guitars for some pretty some pretty large metal acts and yeah and we got to meet a lot of cool people too right like uh you know like mastodon and 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 uh, fucking high on fire high on fire and right, right. Converge and- yeah 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 all the dudes from converge and trap them and, and wow. whoever you could think of like you know that that was in a band from a, a bigger sort of you know hardcore metal band from like 2007 to 2012 we probably made a guitar for him in some fashion
0: wow okay so so you, you got to meet a lot of different people coming through the show i mean um there's, there's a there's a lot there that's interesting do you so do you guys play uh guitars that you've made personally
6: yeah i mean so, to some degree or you know it's it's either it's either that or we're working on them all the time uh you know uh, things of that nature for sure
0: Okay, well, um, cause it's so, you know, sometimes Tom and Justin, my co-host, can sit in for the interviews and other times they can't. They're they're more uh, guitarists themselves. Maybe just for, for them and for the listeners, could you t- t- tell us a little bit about what you're currently playing? Um, and, you know, uh, Earl and, you know, ben, ben, we haven't forgotten about you over there. I'm going to get to you in just one minute. Um, but, you know, maybe just for one minute we take a little uh, gear, gear moment here and, and you guys tell us what you're working with because that's interesting that you guys made it
3: uh you want to go first Rob
0: yeah sure so I'm, I'm right right now I've been
6: playing the same you know Telecaster that I've been playing since uh I was 16 years old really and to some degree right um but I'm always kind of evolving and changing things up guitar wise uh I would say that the guitar that I'm like sort of most stoked on right now is we I made a we made a first act a custom guitar for Nate Newton from Converge must have been like 2010 or something like that um and he was recently like getting rid of a bunch of gear i was like yo i gotta get that back so i got you know, him and, and and made a deal and uh was able to acquire that guitar that he was using back in doom riders uh so it kind of cool to kind of get it back right i probably played it before he did and now it's mine right um wow and then uh on the amp front you know i'm 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 heavy into the Marshalls right now earl kind of you know got me convinced that that was the way the sound to go. And, and I've been playing like a JCM 850 watt for whatever for like, I don't know, three, four years now. Yeah. sounds right. definitely not looking back.
3: Uh, and then for me, um, I got, uh, so like my main bass right now, it's, a uh, an Illuminati neck and then, uh, a body that, uh, my friend Jeremy Neal built for me, uh, which is sort of like a copy of like an old, uh, like Gibson Ripper bass, Uh, and then, um, Thunderbird pickups in it so it's a total Frankenstein freak show. Uh, and then amp wise, uh, I got a spawn modded Marshall. Um, so I have a super strange bass rig and then I'm using a guitar head. Um, and then, um, usually SWR, uh, six by 10 cab, which I've had since I was in freaking high school, but it just sounds, I don't know. It just sounds right. Um, so like I said, super weird. And then I got, I don't know, like I said, Marshall guitar head, but I'm running bass through it, which I guess Lemmy did that, but you know,
4: so strange. (laughs) Well, it can't be wrong if Lemmy did it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, man. That's, no, that's interesting stuff, man. And um, that's a good segue now because, Ben, you're the last guy who we, we we haven't gotten to yet with your history and your background yet. For continuity, give us a little insight into what kind of a guitar and setup you're working with right now. And then give us the breakdown of where you start off with music and if there's musicians in your upbringing and that sort of thing.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, like every guitar player, I think I've fucked with every version of a, a rig you could have with a million pedals or no pedals and every kind of guitar and then i just landed back at a les paul into a 50 watt vht pitbull mm. and uh earl told me he'd beat me up <laughs> if i sold that head so i think it's here to stay um, and then the pedal compliment is like nothing it's like an overdrive and a tuner and that's it um i don't think our music really calls for the pedal onslaught so much so that's kind of where it died for me. I think my my gear acquisition syndrome has been cured.
0: That's a lot of people wish they knew the the, the secret to that man. I know a lot a <laughs> lot of, a lot of people buying all the, all sorts of gear and then selling it on. What's the website? Is it Sweetwater?
4: Oh, or uh, Reverb. Reverb. Reverb.
0: Yeah. yeah, re, yeah re, that's it. Re, re, Sweetwater something. Yeah. Reverb. People buying buying all sorts of pedals and selling them a month later to buy another one. It's like crazy. It's crazy, man. Um, so, so, Ben, give us a little insight then into your background, man. Are you from a musical family um and when do you start veering towards heavier music?
4: uh I'm not from a musical family at all, as far as I know. I think I had a great grandfather that played a fucking toy piano or something, but nobody <laughs> in my immediate family has a lick of musical talent um but we, we my family was into music. My dad always had old blues records and shit playing and when we got in the truck to go someplace, it would be, you know, what a classic rock station. Zach mentioned Mandatory Metallica. They did that up here too. Um, so I, I got exposed to that kind of stuff when I was a little kid. But I have a big brother, and he was the one that showed me all the crazy shit. I remember he, he tinkered with car stereos because back in the day, you weren't shit unless you had 215s and a hatchback. So, <laughs> so he he got he got this thing wired up and it could it shake the fucking shingles off the house and i remember sitting in there and it was right when uh far beyond driven came out yes and i i sat in there and he popped the cd and my chest started rumbling and i was terrified but i was like this is it i'm never going back
0: from this wow all right and and this is are, are you from the boston area
4: no, I'm from like an hour south of here. I'm from the Cape, which people have preconceived notions about like anywhere, I'm sure. Um, we jokingly refer to it as Little Compton because it's just <laughs> it's it's riddled with problems that you don't know about because the presentation is like tourist towns and boat shoes and shit like that.
0: All right. All right. Fair enough. Is it is this like a, um, uh, an area with a heavy uh, um, Irish-American population?
4: It's. It's the town that I lived in specifically is Portuguese. Portuguese um, okay. Which was rad because it exposed me to all this food that I never would have gotten in my Lithuanian family. So um, I, I had a lot of, a lot of linguiza growing up as a kid for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sounds good, man. Uh, and well, what about proximity to like the more um, you talked about Pantera and kind of like a life changing experience with Pantera. Um, But what about, like, maybe your more underground bands? You know, Boston is kind of notorious for hardcore and then later on the metalcore scene of the early 2000s. And I would ask this to to you, but also in in a general question in terms of Karate Steve's music, um, does, like, that metalcore scene that regional scene that people kind of associate, you know, shadows fall. And, um, I'm trying to think of the other, you know, there's a lot of big bands from, from like kind kill of kill
4: switch and yeah, kill
0: switch on Earth. exactly. Man. Like, do those, yeah, bands, yeah, those bands, factor yeah. in, in some way to the sound. And I hear, I, you know, I sometimes listening to you guys, I hear little hints maybe of like that at the gates Swedish death metal sound. Is that maybe filtered through some of those regional metalcore influences?
4: Yeah. I, I think you nailed it down pretty good. As far as how we write stuff and how I write riffs anyway um, I I'm old enough that we everybody kind of snubbed their nose at some of those bands when we were like going to shows and and into once you get into death metal it becomes an obsession a little bit so me and Earl became friends based on the fact that we both liked suffocation. Our friend BJ was like, you need to talk to Earl. You guys are going to be best friends because you love suffocation. And it was true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got exposed to at the gates later on uh, and all the like karma, you know, melodic Swedish death stuff. And uh, it's, it's definitely a part of our sound. I would say mixed with hardcore too, because I grew up hardcore was huge on the Cape. That was like what everybody listened to and loved. And, we would have these VFW shows that were wall-to-wall ragers with, with these bands that would come down. I saw Bane in a VFW down there when I was a kid and it was mm. a fucking disaster. It was great.
5: <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny too. Like as for me, as the drummer who actually I did not spend a lot of time out here during the, the big hardcore stuff. Cause I'd left by that point. So when I came back here and we started, uh, we I met Ben through a friend, and we started when i tried out for the band we started jamming it was it's fun the way he writes stuff because it's because i don't know that history the way that these guys do so i interpret the riffs a little bit differently but i have been exposed to more stuff now obviously because i'm hanging out with these guys all the time but then it's it's kind of fun that we started mixing all this stuff together too because i've like like i said i was exposed to more thrash metal and then like more technical death metal like the one of my favorites was uh, Severed Savior from Pacifica in oh. SF. Like, they're fantastic. Decrepit birth. So, you had those guys. Yeah. We definitely got
4: a lot more technical after Zach joined because our, our mission from inception was to be kind of an old guy metal band. We were like, yo, let's get some Thin Lizzy on acid going and not get much heavier than that. But once we all got in the room together, even the first iteration, the Trump picking started and the fucking chugging started. <laughs> and it's just going to be that way.
0: Yeah. I That's something I wanted to get into because when I started looking you guys up and doing, doing a little bit of research on the band, I was like, I was like, could there be two karate Steve's? Cause because I saw a description before I, I really checked anything out that said something about thin Lizzie. And, and I was like, Are these guys sounded a little more metal to me than that. And then I gave it a, a, a proper listen and I checked out your social media. And I realized it, it is very hard rock but just kind of veering towards metal, like through a, through kind of a metal lens or something. You know what I mean? What what is uh, what is Thin Lizzy to the band? Because I see that come up uh, a few a few times when I was doing the research.
4: So
3: that's I mean, one. I think uh, so, I, mean, I think I'm the one that might have forced everybody to 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 like them because I'm fucking obsessed with Thin Lizzy.
4: 100 percent, yeah. Um,
3: awesome. And literally just force it down everybody's throats until they accepted that, that that's just that's like one of like the five bands that actually matter. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the other four uh, are easy top, according to Earl. Yeah, it's easy. It's top thin Lizzy suffocation. And then like, I don't know, two other bands. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm very
0: comfortable with that. I'm very comfortable with that. That's awesome. It's no, good. Uh, good.
3: So I don't know. And then it's like, I mean, like, realistically, like, you, you know, like so much like that's like the Swedish sound. I mean, it's just it's thin Lizzy, but tremolo picked. Right. I mean, that's that's really what a lot of that Swedish death metal thing is. Yeah. Um, it's uh, or even some of the like the you know the more like new orleans kind of metal bands like like there's obviously huge thin lizzie influences and a lot of that stuff so it's like i don't know um everyone always like for like older metal everybody always like you know obviously grabs on to sabbath and like for the obvious reason like sabbath is amazing uh but they're like one of these bands that I think don't get the due in the metal scene that I think they're, they, they don't get the respect that I think they're due. They don't like they're there's it's filtered through, but like, so I don't know. I just wanted to like be able like in this band to like more directly, like give props to that band because they're just, <laughs> I don't know. There's no, they, they don't have a single bad song. Even the ballads are fucking good. Yeah. The
4: ballads are bangers, dude.
0: Makes sense. It makes sense, though, man, because they don't come up as much as your Black Sabbaths and your and uh, your Deep Purples and, and all those bands. Respect to them, I get it, man. Uh, so now talking about Karate Steve, we kind of got like up to you know how does the band come to come together really? Because we know that Rob and Earl are making guitars next to one another for like eight years, which is crazy to think about. Um, Zach, you're kind of floating around the country doing your thing. Uh, uh and and ben you're you know you're playing guitar uh you're in the cape I, I guess uh down there how do you guys all end up coming together and forming karate steve and uh i guess that would be when is that around 2017 18 i think it was
4: like 2015 was when okay. we first started like dusting it off again it was earl and i originally um because we played in splatter effect together uh years before and then shit happens, the spaces get closed around here and then it just, you lose track of time. And I put together a demo of probably five songs on that first one um, that I was like, I don't know. I'll see if anybody wants to jam on this. I didn't think anybody was going to give a shit. So I called Earl and it was just me and him in a rehearsal space, staring at each other awkwardly because we hadn't played with people in a long time. (laughs) Um, And initially it was just him and i and then he was like some of this shit could use some like guitar harmonies and accent stuff and i have a friend that i think would be a good fit so i'm i'm gonna bring him down if that's cool and that's when he he brought rob in everybody was living in boston at the time um and then rob came down and then three of us awkwardly stared at one another in a room with no drummer for like a month and a half (laughs) and uh i ended up meeting our first drummer in a stumbling blackout at a dive bar in Waltham, Massachusetts. <laughs> and we exchanged information and I didn't talk to him again for like three weeks. Cause I got his email wrong. So it was like really never fated to happen at all, but I ran into him again and we, we locked it together. And that was kind of the first iteration of it. And we had a singer too, um, but it didn't work out with him and after a lot of time on the shelf for that first record i just said fuck it i guess i'll do it cuz i wanted us to carry on as a band
0: okay and that's uh, so you guys recorded living to let you down uh with that lineup in 2019
4: yeah we recorded it uh with a singer that was po- supposed to be part of the sessions and all that and then we finished the instrumental portion of it and it sat for like probably a good year um before we we decided to just kind of go for it, Mastodon style, and we can just bark into mics and still have a band. Huh. How,
0: how, did, how was that? Because that's always uh, a weird transition. Not necessarily something everybody's capable of is, is playing an instrument and the, and doing vocals at the same time.
4: I, I'll let the, guys, the I'll <laughs> let the guys answer that question. <laughs> I fucking hate it, but <laughs> <laughs> if it's what it takes to to keep us rolling, then absolutely i will do it um and it's it's just hard i'd never done it before i never sang in my life before i picked up a mic and started yelling for that album so mm. it was a learning process for sure
6: okay i can i can kind of remember like the you know the first iteration is we, we we recorded the music for living to let you down what was that it must it must have been in 18 or something like that no that no, was earlier than that it was like it was earlier than 17. That. it was 2017 yeah, the singer was gone and, and, uh, and, and, and we were like, well, what are we going to do? And and we were going to a party or something like that. And Ben picked me up and he goes, Hey, you know, I, I put vocals over this, you know, Ben's a recording engineer too. And, and, uh, he goes, I put vocals over this shit and handed me like a Bud light, you know, lime or some shit We're in his car <laughs> and I ate an edible <laughs> and he turned and he cranks up one of the songs. And I was like, what the fuck, dude, you've been holding out on me for like all this time. It was hearing that, I think I
4: can't remember what song it was. Um, yeah, I know the working title for it was Thunderqueefs, but I think. It-
6: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, yeah, I squeezed one out for sure. Uh, it, it was it was incredible hearing that. Yeah, no, no doubt. Becoming
4: I, becoming I, fear I, was the first.
6: Becoming time. fear, yeah, no, and the yeah, I was like, I, I can't believe he have been holding out on us for this long, and he, I think he, you know, begrudgingly was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna do it.
5: The
4: guys gave me the confidence to do it. I, I still don't think i'm very good at it but it's good enough to get shows happening and i'm proud of the way the new record came out so I, maybe maybe i
0: can do it <laughs> uh, well speaking of the new record as i mentioned uh no way out but through uh is going to be coming out april 29th uh, 2022 shortly after this interview is going to be going up um could you tell us a little bit about that obviously uh the last two years we've had the pandemic and things have been crazy man um you know the the typical question i've been asking people with new material is just about uh you know the writing process uh you know were you guys kind of separated did you take the time when when there weren't any shows going down to hunker down on a new album or was this maybe all material you material you had worked out otherwise you know i don't know
4: i, I think we had some of it kicking around leading up to the pandemic because we were playing shows all the time and still practicing and writing and whatever um and then we sort of made a conscious effort to try and write a record i guess and this one was much more collaborative than the other one that living to let you down was like 90 percent my basement demos and you know they got changed around a lot and rob added a bunch of shit to it to make them actual songs but this one was was all of us together for sure
5: yeah. And like when the pandemic first hit and they shut down the practice space, it was <laughs> all of us were like talking and on chat and on Zoom sometimes it'd be like, we're getting really antsy. So the minute, the minute it literally opened up again, we were back in there
4: yeah we yeah, were like the, I, first I think we band were the only band we were yeah. the
3: only band in our in our entire rehearsal complex everybody else was too scared too scared to practice and we're like we're none of us really cared if we died i guess yeah so, i was like, like what
4: give me covid in my eye socket dude <laughs> i need to jam again i think it was a mutual feeling with all of us
5: yeah, yeah. I, so we just we just got in there and like just we yeah we had already had the skeletons of these the or these foundations for these songs that we had worked on during practice because by that point the the set list for the shows were it was basically basically all the living to let you down stuff that we like I, I learned when I joined. And then we were just hammering that out all the time. So most most of the practices were new stuff. Yeah, no, no, challenging times for sure.
6: And you know, we ever we all got day jobs and shit. And and I, and that kinda helped us be able to kind of keep the practice space up and going and really refine the material too. I think it we really got to go in there and dig deep and and, and put the little nuances here and there. Um I think that shows through on the record, too.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, it wouldn't have come out the way it did if it wasn't for the dude that recorded us. Uh, mm-hmm. This Alex. dude, Alex Allenson, yeah. over at the, yeah. at the Bridge Stage and Sound. If you're a metal band in Boston anywhere, go see him. He's the best.
0: Yeah, shout out to Alex for sure. Okay, Alex at the Bridge Stage and Sound in Boston. Um, yeah, shout out to him. He re- He recorded this. And I wanted to ask you, what part does... Uh, if any maybe I got something wrong here Magnus Lindbergh of the band cult of Luna um th- did he have something to do with this recording mastering yeah he master mastered, okay it. yeah um yeah so so he mastered it all right so I did get something right there um and yeah the the sound of this it sounds like a live band you know it's it's it sounds like a a band in a in a room so to speak on the on this record you know everything is like very organic and it it sounds like a well-oiled machine and it sounds like an album there's a you know from song to song each song kind of has a different atmosphere but there's continuity um I wanted to ask, you said that you don't really, well, at least least Ben, I think, um, said that he doesn't have a lot of pedals and a lot of gear and all that sort of thing. You you keep it simple. Uh, You know, most of you guys say you keep things kind of stripped down. You're using some gear even that has like a lot of history to you. But from song to song, I do notice there's some different textures in the guitars. And I, I, you know, I assume that's uh, very intentional. Do you want to talk maybe, are there any, did you have different guitars that you, um, you know, you, 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 you tagged in and out on certain songs for certain reasons or maybe specific? gear for a specific song uh, in any way on this album?
4: Yeah, definitely.
6: I think we kind of like stuck with what we had, but we just layered the shit out of it, honestly.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a guitar feast. Yeah. yeah I mean yeah, yeah it's a good way to put it you know, honestly, being in this band is a guitar feast like, they always talk about fucking guitars. I'm like, hey, I got this new snare drum. That's nice. Hey, so yeah, I put yeah, this pickup cool. in my guitar.
4: That's a fair point, Zach. I, we also don't know shit about drums, so we, we wouldn't be good conversation bedfellows for you.
6: <laughs> I, but i would say yeah we pretty much played the the same gear we didn't do a lot of studio tricks or anything like that alex was just really intentional when we were recording and and we were and prepared too we, we were thoroughly prepared like but we, but we layered the shit out of it like we multiple, had a lot of know, ideas of feedback for tracks and, and things like that and and that studio where that's located too you know that's a pretty legendary studio there's there's parts of the weezer blue album that were recorded there back in like the <laughs> The early 90s and and what was
5: it called before the bridge it was something else i can't remember the name but but actually
6: isis's oceanic was recorded there too i think like some real some real big vibes in there for sure wow the the main room was is pretty cool
3: i mean as far as it sounded like a you know like a band in a room i mean a big part of that is uh all the basic tracks are the band in a big ass room yeah yeah it's a, it's a, (laughs) a big awesome live room um, uh, So like the you know the amps are in iso rooms or whatever, but uh, like as far as doing all the tracking, it's just the four of us staring into each other's eyes. <laughs> and that's high <laughs> that's a, high, that's a high
4: compliment too, Will. That's what we were going for was band in a room because I don't think any of us particularly care for overproduced metal. That became a real trend for a while. And it, yeah, it just I, you know, one of stinks. the death metal
5: bands I played in like in California, like I I had to learn these parts that were programmed, mm. and then then during live I was playing to a click because there were synth tracks too but i had to play to a click and it had to be precise and it was just like but none of the stuff was it wasn't collaborative it was just like here i i wrote this riff and i already wrote the drums for you and i'm just like oh <laughs> but with this stuff it was so much better it's it's more collaborative and then since we've been just doing that and we had just hunkered down and practiced so much during the during the time we had at the pin, pandemic to do so by the time we hit the studio we were just cranking it out i think Earl and i had our we had the rhythm tracks done what in two days two days yeah
4: yeah rob and i were doing like final guitar shit up until the last minute at the end and alex was cool he was like i don't care you guys can hang as long as you want but we wanted to be respectful of, of you know his limits with us he was he was cool with us so we were trying to be cool with him but yeah it was right up to the last minute for sure
5: uh, he's, he's such a sweetheart he's good like he even sat with me for like two hours like we went through drum stuff it was like so good he's he's amazing for all on all fronts i uh,
4: think he drove some of that any of the like weird ambient shit you hear or like the affected washy guitar that was a lot of that was kind of his input yeah we ha- yeah. we had the we had the layer idea like the actual part but as far as how it was affected we kind of left that up to him
0: Okay. And uh, Zach, you bring something to my mind. I think you're the only band member I neglected to ask if you had been in any bands that toured or that any of our listeners might be familiar with prior to Karate Steve.
5: Um, I've, like the rest of the guys, I've been, I played in like various things that never sort of went anywhere, but I did, I've done a couple DIY tours. I've, I uh, played with a, a kind of a rock outfit. Uh, that was actually some, I guess you call it Western swing rock, I guess. It was this guy I met in Cali. He's from Minnesota originally. His name's Tyler Jakes. Real fun guy to play with and like just tour. It was just us and his caravan, <laughs> four of us in the a caravan doing that. That was fun. And then the band I mentioned with the, um, uh, the, the technical stuff with the click and everything, that was um, among the torrent. And that, that one, we went on tour, uh, just kind of, it was more of a West Coast thing, but we kind of, we swung East enough to hit Denver. That was not an interesting show but the but yeah it was basically those were the two main ones i've done touring with and then um i played with some smaller black metal acts uh before i moved back and this was still all in cali really and then uh 2016 i moved back to mass Uh, i just wanted to come back and then i met after it was about two and a half years after i've been here uh ben and i actually work in the same field doing uh during the day doing a av install or whatever and through a mutual friend he was because this mutual friend actually knew i was looking for a band and he was like hey i know a guy who needs a drummer and i think you guys need to talk
0: and then that's kind of how that happened okay All right. and so. i i gotta ask you i i have a little bit of limited experience um diy touring with with extreme metal you said western swing uh what i mean what we're talking i guess we're talking kind of like more old-fashioned danceable uh like country western music yeah
5: he's tyler jason's got a real cool sound it's like uh it's really straightforward rock and roll but it's like got an edge there's you can hear punk you can hear bohemia in it it's we used to describe it as tom waits meets the pixies but he's done like several albums since i've i've known him and like even since i played with him so and I never did any recordings with him. He always took care of his stuff cuz he was just he just hammered out these albums all the time and they're just they're fantastic if you look them up. But yeah, touring with touring with us fun and it was just yeah, it had more of that dancey vibe and stuff like that too. So cuz like I said, my background is various different styles of stuff. I mean, in college I played I played in cover bands and stuff like that too. It wasn't really my thing, but at least I got to play. Yeah. So yeah. But I, like and I, and also I went to college in sacramento and not a lot of people were listening to metal at the college i went to too i mean i mean everyone knows the deftones in sacramento but (laughs) but it's the stuff i was starting to get into no one was playing and it took one guy i think there was one guy i met and he was the one who introduced me to emperor and was in a sociology class so like i sat next to him he's like he had long hair and a beard i'm like you like metal don't you and he's like yeah i'm like cool me too and we just started hanging out and then, like, he showed me a ton of extreme stuff that I had never heard before, and it was, like, blew my mind. But no one played it. <laughs> so
0: I had to, like, learn yeah. this stuff
5: on my own and just kind of play around with it as as I came up.
0: Okay. No, I, I just thought that was interesting, um, the, the country western thing. And, I mean, are there, like, rowdy crowds? Like, what kind of, you know, is it a weird scene? Or You know, do you, do you pull up to some places? Like, is that, like, what kind of scene is there for that? Nah, it's, like... Uh, it's been a while it's been like i think
5: the last time i played with him was like 10 years ago but it was okay all right it's kind of like a it's a it's a fun scene it's it's like not your it's not your typical rock show but at the same time like i said that's why i brought up like a kind of bohemian sort of a vibe it's kind of got like take a tom Waits show and kind of like amplify it and give it more of a <laughs> faster dancier vibe Okay. And like, and like you get a lot of crowd people in there that do that. And people start dancing to the stuff too. And we like had these, we'd have these like slow moments, these fast moments, these almost Latin esque moments. It was fun. It was just, it's a good time all around kind of thing. It's it's a vibe in itself. You just kind of have to listen to it and go, go to one of his shows, which I recommend.
0: Okay. All right. Well, it sounds fun. Yeah. I'm not going to harp on it. It it's just sounded a little interesting, man. It sounds fun. Um, but, yeah, so get, getting back, um, like I said, Karate Steve, uh, the, the new album. What One other thing I wanted to ask you, um, and just to prove to you guys I actually did listen to it, you were kind enough to send me to, uh, a preview. There was one song I got to ask you about, Negative Space. That's obviously the one you guys know has um, uh, somebody as a guest singer. There's a woman in there uh, as a guest vocalist. Um and it's and then after that part it turns into a particularly doomy dirge with some very metal lead guitars. I w- I wanted to know if maybe you could give me a little insight into that song in particular.
6: Yeah, I'll I'll take that one. I I wrote the song. Um it was one of those one of those tunes uh you know, a pandemic tune, right? I was I was just at home playing guitar a bunch and kind of wrote you know the guitar portion of that together and presented it to these guys after i record it and uh they're like what the fuck are we gonna
4: do with this thing man the uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> recording was also obviously shithouse drunk <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah 12 yeah. beers deep rob is different than regular six beers deep rob level rob. <laughs> hey hey <laughs> those licks are still tasty though right uh so so
6: we 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 talked about practice we, we talked about maybe you know collaborating on it just from a musical level of practice and it, and it was tough right it was always pretty rough and and it, it wasn't quite the same as the rest of the, the tracks on the album as you might have figured out yourself. Um, what well, we recorded it and we were like, oh, okay, we, I think we might have something here. And then uh, Alex who recorded the album, he said, hey, you know, I think my wife might wanna uh, do some vocal tracks on here. I think she might be a good fit on this. She had done some other uh, collaborative tracks on other recording artists that he did, like Knockover City and I think a few other too. Um, but we were, you know, before even hearing what she sounded like or anything like that, we were like,
5: yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Cause I could, I, could actually I, I had, I had, heard her previously. She had done a, a quick, uh, her band had done a stream here. Oh, and right. It, yeah. Yeah. Her band's Lady Lupine. Right. And like when, and like it totally made the connection like later on that Alex knew her and it turned out too, like they also knew some other friends of mine too, which is like, oh, that's fun. But like, she was amazing. When i saw her and i was like wow this band is killer and then when he's like hey she might be able to sing on this," i was like yes please
4: christina so I, yeah I christina, think we had the music man, done
5: like way before she ever
6: came in and did the vocals and i think we were pretty pleased with the way that it came out it was oh, absolutely definitely like a layered approach and everyone was still kind of like on the fence i don't know if this is you know going to make the cut sort of thing but it got a little more interesting you know the more layers we put on it and uh and then when she came in to do some of the vocals, I think we we're like, "All right, yeah, that's it." And then, uh, and then Ben, you know, added the his vocals towards that slower part at the
0: end, and we we're like, "All right, this is, this is pretty brutal, actually." Yeah, yeah, it, it shifts gears um, in a way. It definitely caught my attention. Um, it was a fun. It was a fun song, definitely, because it definitely pushed us to kind of
5: really collaborate and figure out how to make it work. But it was the result was very. We were very happy with the result. After it was done,
4: yeah, I think, I think she helped sell us on it the rest of the way, because hearing back mm. the actual recording of it, we were like, "Oh, this is cool." And I just knew damn well that I couldn't, I can't sing actually, so <laughs> I, I wasn't going to have shit to add for a verse part. And uh, she kind of bailed us out. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> yeah,
0: <probably not. laughs> Fair enough, man. And and um, uh, you met you mentioned live streams. I there's something I did want to uh, get into this interview. Um, before we close out and that's um Taffeta uh is the venue T A F F E T A because my long you can't trust my long island accent T A F F E T A uh music.com Taffeta is the um uh, uh venue that is designed specifically for live streaming uh, of events um, it's the, you can read about it. There's a very well well curated website, well written website that describes everything about it. I was just wondering, um, Zach, that's mainly your thing,
5: yeah. My buddy Matt Wishnack and I have that this uh side business that we're doing. Um, it started during the pandemic. Um, actually, Matt was the primary guy for that. He was uh <coughs> live streaming guys in uh, his basement. He had started doing that, he had already kind of built a little studio. He's a drummer as well. And he's in uh, he's in a different scene than than we are but like he he uh, definitely does his own music stuff he built this little studio in his basement he started live streaming bands down there during the pandemic and he's like he had um, I've always wanted to build a studio and he knew that and he actually came to me with this idea I was like hey do you want to go, uh, go in on this and then we might actually have a space uh, in Lowell that we can get and I was like okay cool let's check it out so it turned out to be this uh, big old Seven thousand square foot space in uh, uh, Western Avenue Studios, which is like an artist loft building. It's like five floors of just nothing but artist spaces, painters, sculptors, jewelers, everything. And brewery, yeah. There's a brewery here, Navigation <laughs> yeah. Brewing. Yeah, that's important. Yes, <laughs> it's a great little scene here. And then, like, they had this event space that was no longer being used because the people who had it originally were a, a nonprofit, and the pandemic wasn't kind to them, unfortunately. But it gave us an opportunity to come in here and do that. So we we got the space. We built a stage, put lights on. And because it was a pandemic, we couldn't do live shows. So we set it up to do live streaming. So that's basically what we've been doing for the last year or so. And now it's we're actually about to do our first in-person live show. So we're, we're going to be able to do all of it. And actually, that's where Rob Earl and I are sitting right now, uh, in the production room for this place so i yeah, wanted to no, come up too
4: but funny. i'm buried by strep throat right now sorry guys
5: oh
3: that's
0: okay we love you all right well the we, less
3: time i have to spend with you the better
0: <laughs> we, we wish you the best that was earl who said that right i, I speak for all of us. yeah that was no that was a doubt because that was that was so that was very new jersey right there very new jersey you, you fucking I could, cocksucker i can tell i could tell Fuck you. <laughs> but um well, so that's, I, I love it, though, because the, like I said, if people want to go, that's um, uh, T-A-F-F-E-T-A music.com, one word, uh, mm-hmm. the website spells it all out um, and, uh, very plainly w- what it's all about, I thought, and so I guess the the end goal would be that when bands are booking a tour, if they book something at your venue, they could also promote a live stream on that date as well. Correct. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a great idea. It's very forward thinking, and it kind of like is at least trying to fuse the 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 people sitting on the couch watching live streams with the people coming back outside. You know.
5: Yeah, and I've, I've always loved stuff like what like Vitus does too, and like what you see on Audio Tree and those kind of places where you you get a live show, but you also get a recording of it too. And obviously, Audio Tree is a little bit different. That's like just all in studio, but it's like a recorded live show. But then the way Vitus does her. Their videos for the live stuff i always love that and it's just it's cool to be able to do something like that up here and uh this this place is we're up in lowell mass so we're kind of near the new hampshire border so we're we're outside of boston a little bit but it's a it's a really cool town to go in a cool space plenty of characters around here that's for sure
6: <laughs>
5: i think we, we like we were we're doing our band photos out on the train tracks and oh my God. suddenly a homeless guy pops out from behind a <laughs> like, <laughs> like what y'all segment. doing <laughs> It's like yeah, I think I thought he was going to join us for a second. He <laughs> was invited, funny, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. throw him in the band picture. Say he's the vocalist.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
5: Get <laughs> <laughs> the skull going on and everything. That was great. Yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah, no, it's like the the we wanted to get a good space going up here and like and just con- you know contribute to the scene and not just a heavy scene, but every scene. Like the the venue itself is agnostic as far as musical genres go and just want to be able to have a nice space for people to be creative and do their thing and it was like especially as when during the pandemic all these places got shut down and people almost got shut down It's was just like just kind of want to like no we need to keep this going like we can't lose these properties and because you know the people who are going to who are going to pick up the properties the minute they close are all these other developers and turn them to who knows what and then there goes the scene condos yeah exactly that was happening in san francisco a lot too and then like it triggered me a little bit when i saw it happening here so i was just like no let's make this happen
0: yeah we we got enough uh 7-elevens and you know uh five guys burgers and stuff like that you know yeah <laughs> yeah for like the avalon oh, apartment well. complexes or whatever the fuck. yeah yeah, yeah I, jesus I, I get it um yeah uh, so well like you just said, you've you know you've had a variety of acts, um, uh, you know, d- across different genres, not necessarily all heavy, um, and people can access uh, those videos to sample them um, on that website. Again, that's t a f f e t a music dot com for the listeners, um, and yeah, the the Twitch. There's a Twitch channel as well. The Twitch actually has most of the recordings. Yeah, the, I got. I, I was linked up to Twitch um, through through that website, and I just wanted to say, too, I, uh, briefly, I was a little superficial, but there was so many recorded You guys have streamed a lot of bands already, and there were so many of them, I kind of looked for the most metal one, which you guys would realize, if you're just going off of looks, would have been uh, Adamantis. A uh, D A M A N T I S and I was not disappointed. So just for our listeners, if they want you know more of a heavy metal uh, introduction to what you guys are doing, I had to shout them out. I thought they were doing a great traditional uh, power metal type of vibe. Yeah, those guys are awesome.
3: Teddy, uh, Teddy, the uh, guitar player is actually a, a guitar player client of mine. He's
0: a really good dude. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I nailed that then. I'm glad you guys weren't like, fuck, you had to shout out Adamantus. <laughs> I, know, I was I was so excited to have those guys on because like it actually
5: made I had to buy more microphones just for the guy's drum set. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It was so good. I was like, no, no, this needs to happen because like I remember when Matt and I were building the stage and we built the little drum riser. I was like, it needs to be big enough to hold a double bass kit. Yeah. He's like, Are you sure? I'm like, Yeah, this needs to be a th- it may not happen every time, but it needs to be the possibility needs to be there. And that happened. Adam like Earl actually recommended Adam Mattis to us. And so we had them on and it was great. <laughs> yeah,
0: man. Cool. And, and, um, well, real quick that any, any other special considerations that another venue or studio might not have to take into consideration then when you're, when you're building a venue for both live events and, and live streaming at the same time. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of like how well you
5: have to think about how you want to do things it's like the way that matt and i wanted to do things was to be as versatile as possible we wanted to do live shows but we want to have the option to do a stream if we need to we also want to have the option to record everything and record it like you would almost in a studio but like we wanted to take all of that burden onto ourselves and not the act so like it's like you come here you basically get everything you got and I know a lot of, like, most of the time I see that at venues, people are doing, like, bits and pieces of all of that. And a lot of times, too, with, like, a live stream, and I think what sets us apart, one thing in particular, is we actually set up monitors that have the the live chat on the Twitch so you, the band can actually communicate with people who are in the chat. That's not something, like, most, most people will do a pre recording, edit it, and then put it on, which is fine. It's all good. But what we like to do is have that option to have it be absolutely live like in person like people can hit up the band in the chat the band can respond to that during the show and that can be a thing with or without an audience it's like we wanted to have that kind of uh it's not just about the audience it's about the the band and their experience with the people too
3: just like a cam girl
5: (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly
0: that's interesting though because then
5: especially it was especially relevant during the pandemic though when we have we have these bands coming up on stage we want them to feel like they're they're at a venue again but there's no one in front of them and, yeah. and i'm sure everybody and especially in the metal scene knows like when you play a room with nobody in there it's kind of like
4: uh. <laughs> so but all like, the time if you're a local metal band <laughs> yeah we've all yeah, been right? there
5: so, or, you're <laughs> just, or you're just playing for each other you're playing for each other but like with this situation you can have people can watch from home and like chat and like you can have this interaction with people even if they're not in the room with you and taking it to a another level too at you can have we can geo fence which means you can have if you're on a tour especially so you're on tour you're playing Massachusetts in the northeast but you want to have a night dedicated to some people in Europe that following you and you can literally we can have live stream tickets sold to those people and they're the ones who can who can chime in and only them so you're still having a live show in the northeast for the american crowd but
0: the europeans get to watch it as well or in Asia or wherever you want it to be interesting or or a band from one of those regions could actually play for their people back home while they're out here in the exactly, US or, yeah. yeah okay exactly. there's a, lo- a lot of ways you could go with it that's interesting man okay so there's yeah. a lot I like this though there's a lot of possibilities with this it's kind of a new deal man that's interesting um uh, but but you guys have been very generous with your time I got to be respectful of your time um. Quickly, before we close out. Speaking of live shows, does Karate Steve have any upcoming live shows that you want to promote?
6: What's the date of the
3: What's the date of the fucking Cantab show?
4: June
0: eighteenth, I, I, 18th, got like a I think.
6: Show till June eighteenth uh, We're, like we're that, harassing
4: so. promoters to try and book in May and somebody, June. Somebody get but... the phone because my phone's off. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna have, <laughs> you're gonna have, yeah, yeah, have
6: June, the, a June eighteenth Cantab Cantab in Cambridge, Mass. Um.
4: Last time we played there, a lady traded Earl a crack rock for a cigarette, so we can't wait and to do it. i do, and I, and I do it again, babe. Okay. i do it again. It was okay. one of the
3: one of the finest come-ups of my life.
0: Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. All right, man. I, I, <laughs> I'm I not going to ask what became of that crack rock, sir, but uh, this is all allegedly, as we say on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, allegedly. Uh, yeah. I mean, actually, I can tell
3: you exactly what became of that
0: crack rock.
3: I uh, <laughs> uh,
4: wanted to keep
3: it.
0: <laughs> for if
3: you go to the can tab and you count five bricks over from the door about, I don't know, about eye height for a six-foot-tall guy. It's wedged in between two of the bricks. (laughs) Long gone, my friend. Yeah, in in
4: Central Square,
3: it's gone, Earl. (laughs) No, it's not gone. I was at the Cantab yesterday, and motherfucker,
6: that crack rock (laughs) is still there. It's in the vial. (laughs) By the way, that was not crack.
0: it was in a vial. That that guy with the uh the skullet from the train tracks. He's coming over to get it as soon as, as soon as this podcast is out. He's over there, man. He's on it. He's, he's
3: gonna
5: ride the
0: train all the way down yeah, to Cambridge yeah. just to find us. Yeah,
5: double <laughs>
3: unfortunate Devin Townsend is is over is, is looking <laughs> <laughs> rock in front of in front of the cantab right now. Double
0: unfortunate Devin. Well listen, all right, you you just gave me my next segue, Double Unfortunate Devin. Speaking of names, I, I gotta do it to you guys. I'm sorry for being the, the generic question here, but but give me a little insight if you don't want to spoil the whole mystery the name Karate Steve what's going on?
4: No, I will hook you up uh, this is just a dumb fucking name that I put on my demo so I could keep track of them I, I just <laughs> create a lot of music and it's all different kinds of shit and Karate Steve sounded like a just bizarro metal band to me I guess mm. and then I presented it to the guys and they were like fuck no and it just <laughs> stuck and
6: the- <laughs> well, well hey well no let me say this. So, so when i joined the name i was like what the hell is karate Steve?" And, and earl in a, in a very earl fashion says you know what there was two things that were fucking cool in the 70s karate and the name steve and i go oh all right dude all right <laughs> that one.
4: and then we baked up this whole uh like fairy tale about it and th- there is a guy karate steve and you think of him as like I don't know Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. He he's in yeah. your mom's basement at fifty in a leopard print robe, fucking smoking butts and drinking Rolling Rocks and talking to you about the glory days. That's basically what a Karate Steve is.
0: That's that's how I'm recording this podcast right now. <laughs> 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 but, but enough about me. Wow, well, that's I I like that though, man, because um. Uh, you, you know, there's a, one of the funnest parts of being in a band is the kind of like, like lore and world building, even if it's like completely stupid shit that you guys joke around about, you know, it's <laughs> fun, man.
4: Definitely. Definitely. We, we climb around all the fucking time. People take themselves too seriously.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're in a band together, you got to learn how to relax, man. I'm, I'm working on that myself, man. Shout out to my bandmates. Um, But, but uh, as we close out, I, 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 I gave you guys a proper warning. Um, I hope Zach warned the whole band. I'm going to ask you guys to quickly go around, and I just want everyone to recommend one old recording and one new recording. It could be a demo, an album, EP, metal, jazz, anything. Just something old and something new for the listeners to check out. Your personal recommendation.
3: All right, I'll jump in first. Um, uh, Best new thing I've heard uh, is uh, I just finally got it. Uh, Suffocation Live in North America. Uh, the live album that they just did, uh, well, okay. just came out, it was recorded uh, at uh, Middle East Downstairs, not far from where we are right now. It's fucking awesome. Uh, Suffocation is the best metal band of all time. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Fair enough. For- it's like some of the like there's old stuff on there, new stuff on there. It's probably the best recordings available of some of their some of the older tunes that are on there. It's and I mean the band is just obnoxiously fucking tight. Um, so that's new uh old stuff uh thin Lizzy,
0: lies in dead live and dangerous beautiful okay Isn't two live
4: like- albums are all huh
0: i thought i thought about this a lot today <laughs> <laughs> i like that that suffocation is that with frank on vocals or uh
3: yeah i think it's the, i think it might be like the one of the last shows with frank on vocals.
0: interesting okay yeah because i haven't heard that that particular uh recording okay sick man it's, right. it's dude
3: it's 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 really fucking good
0: I, I'm sure it is, man. Yeah, I, I mean, we're, I'm from we're on Long Island right now, out here. So, I you know that 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 statement about them being the best metal band that's that's very acceptable right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right, but um, I'm moving along. Next up. All right, I'm not going to go as far back as Earl did, but um,
5: every time I like I'm all over the place with music a lot of times, but right now the new album that I'm really into is well newer. It's from 2019. It's actually the band I saw at Vitus when I met Tom was uh, to uh, Vitriol, and the album is To Bathe from the Throat of Cowardice. It's it's like extreme death metal stuff. It's so good. Like I love these guys. Like I saw and seeing their energy live just even uh, further um, just got me into that. And then Jason Westmoreland was on drums for that, and he's so killer to just to watch. And then an old album I always go back to from the uh, '90s, and this may have actually been the First hardcore thing I ever heard, though European, and I'm sure everyone knows this band by now. Refused Shape of Punk to come. Mm. Um, as an audio engineer myself, like I always go back to it. It sound the album sounds so good. The music was written so well. It was right before they all broke up, and it was just like the what they put in that album was like one of my favorite albums of all time. I still go back to that album and listen to it, and I love David Santrum's drumming too. It was just it's perfectly it perfectly fits the songs while being incredibly awesome at the same time, so for me those are those are my albums okay, awesome man good picks yeah
6: uh so I'll definitely say uh for for a recent album, a local album a hardcore album uh your fault they're they're a Merrimack Valley hardcore band they've been putting stuff out you know for the past year or so, you know, friends of mine and uh the music's killer for sure um you know, it's, it's like that it's like that new, like, you know, scary, hardcore vibe for sure. Right. Like uh, makes you feel bad about yourself after you listen to it. So, <laughs> like, I've been ruled, like, Rob, yeah. yeah, definitely. Good. that a listen. Right. Right. Uh, the, and it's The, hardcore, something the old, hardcore, you know, hardcore kids have a problem. Uh, nowadays. I, I thought about this a lot. And and something that I thought might fit into this podcast. And maybe with, you know, old lady, old lady drivers uh, or wow. old. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with them, but they're a Jersey band. And uh, and they're interesting. they're kind of like the devo of grindcore in my opinion um, they've they had uh, what the original guitar player from Nirvana ended up joining that band and things like that and and there's a lot of crazy stuff in there if you look at it but the the musical dimensions of Sleestock that album specifically uh, that's that's a that's a pretty killer album.
0: Wow man yeah I, I was I was gonna say before the hardcore kids nowadays have have a uh, um, they're having some problems. Uh, it's, a it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's a little dark. Yeah, right. It's a little dark. It's not about the Letterman jackets anymore. It's a little dark. But um, yeah, no, no, definitely not. Yeah. But yeah, that Spin old kicks, won't we'll cut it. The, the old lady drivers, man. Um, yeah, that, you know, I I'm gonna be honest. I'm not so familiar with that band. I just know the name as being like one of those kind of ancient, like um, kind of like people consider them like a pioneer of uh, extreme grindcore and death metal type of thing. You know?
6: Yeah, but you listen to it and it's like it's more electronica than anything else. But like you huh. get you get it once you listen to it you're like oh okay i see how things were were sort of birthed out of this and and uh it's it's super interesting i got were they on earache um i don't know it might have been like prior to that i mean they're like yeah sounds like they were i mean they had like uh uh, who was that like famous like saxophone player uh like john zorn zorn john zorn john zorn he was on that shit and you're just like wait what what how how did this end up happening (laughs) So wow, I, I have no idea. John Zorn ends up on the coolest shit sometimes.
0: <laughs> all right, okay, all right. That that's a sick one. Old Day Drivers. Okay, and and we got uh, one more one more recommendations coming.
4: Yeah. So I I don't know if this band is from Jersey. I can never keep this straight. But for old, uh, I'm gonna say Soylent Green, Stone Mouth Secrets. That album is unreal, and it just blends a lot. It was the first thing I heard that blended like a shitload of blast beats and then some like sludgier or sounding new Orleans-y hook shit. And I think uh, they're
3: from New Orleans actually Ben,
4: Are they maybe? Yeah. I don't know why I, I always associate them with, with the Northeast, but that, that is worth checking out for sure. If you haven't. And uh, for new, there's a band from up here that doesn't put out full, full lengths a lot and hasn't played in a while, but uh, this band death pesos couch glue, is a record they did in 2018 i think and it's i if i'm remembering correctly i think it's just a bass player and a guitar player um and a drummer obviously it's like a it's a three-piece but they do wacky shit with rock and roll and distorted bass and uh they're
0: awesome so death pesos yeah okay all right all right a lot of recommendations there man some new stuff some classic stuff there um we got old school man i like it man i appreciate it guys Uh, So, uh, as I said, to be respectful of your time, man, Earl, Zach, Rob, and Ben of Karate Steve, uh, based out of um, the Boston, Massachusetts area. Uh, New album, No Way Out But Through, coming out April 29th, 2022. As you mentioned, you're playing June 18th in Cambridge. Um, Guys, any parting words uh, for fans of your music, listeners of the show? Come check us out and let's get on some bills. Look.
4: Yeah, let's let's kiss and play shows, man. It's been too fucking long.
0: <laughs> all right, man. Love I'm I don't know about the kissing, but let's play some shows, man. All right, we got right, it. if if uh, if uh, I come up there, if I come yeah, up there, I'm not doing any Island kissing. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want to come down to Long Island, man. This guy already made it out of Jersey. I mean, let's not put him through that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Karate Steve, man. I appreciate you guys' time, man. Thank you very much. Thanks Thank a lot, you so man. For Thanks,
4: d- Will.
0: <laughs> let's, let's try that again let's let's try safety <laughs> black belt <laughs> let's try that again let's try that again alright alright could we just use that yeah, yeah we could use that I'll yeah, just fun. put on that black belt It's yeah, funny yeah, yeah we're yeah. laughing it's fun. yeah,
2: funny yeah I live in a round house <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> big shout to all four members of Karate Steve for joining me this evening and uh, big shout to them and all, all their endeavors and everything they got going on we hope you check that stuff out man uh, everything we plugged and all the recommendations that came through too man um, really cool band. I like the old school attitude that some of those guys are displaying, man. And, uh, uh the music is fucking wild. Yeah. you th- guys get a chance
1: to check that out? Yeah. I checked out uh, the, uh, the new stuff that's mm-hmm. uh, on, on the, uh, I was privileged enough
0: to yeah, do we, all the new album. We were, um, yeah, they were kind enough to send us a preview of some of their newer material. I yeah. like the songwriting a lot. It was refreshing. Yeah.
1: Because it, it did genre kind of galloping. if you Yeah. Would, and, uh, didn't, didn't feel like it was trying to be anything other than sick music. Like guys who enjoyed playing,
0: yeah, we yeah, like, I, I brought that up. Like, it kind of, it's got a little bit of those like at the gates kind of melodies, but funneled through metalcore and then funneled back into rock. It's interesting, man. Yeah, I, I like it, man. Um, another thing I like: brutal, guttural death metal with questionable uh, thematical content. I'm sorry, I, I apologize. It's a death metal podcast. Sometimes we don't always have death metal bands, but longtime listener Taylor Shrank. Uh, who coincidentally I played a show with the other day. The guy is playing with um, the
4: Mortal Suffering, right?
0: Yeah, he's playing bass with a Mortal Suffering. He he he, he turned me on to something the other day, man. Um, the guys from Cock and Ball Torture, classic legacy German porno grind act, uh, or porno groove gore grind act. Well, I don't know whatever the kids are calling it. Uh, those guys were in death metal bands prior to being in CBT, and. I looked them up. Um, Taylor turned me on to this, so I got to give him the credit. One was Paired Amnion, who is um, kind of an interesting death metal project uh, that goes back to like the, the early to mid 90s. And then there was another one here that we took. I wanted to like recommend this one to you guys because it's interesting. Carnal Tomb um, from Germany. And it has the members of Cock and Bull Torture before they were in Cock and Bull Torture. Uh, I-, I would recommend both of these bands, but Carnal Tomb is the one that we're going to like focus on right now just to be sick. And I also have a funny story. Years ago, uh, one of the guys in BioLich made up a story. He liked to make up stories about underground bands. We were told once that Dying Fetus' new album was announced to be called Arboretum of Infant Sacrifice. That was not true in any sense of the word. Another one was that a grand this was the days of the 90s when people listening to death metal and grindcore was like more obscure no internet well there was internet but no social no media metal really archives. Yeah, yeah like if you met someone up we actually it's actually at Tower Records Huntington was the spot because they sold extreme music and zines and things like that so sometimes you'd run into metal people or hardcore people up there and you'd, you'd conversate, or groups of friends would kind of meet up up there a friend told me that he he walked by A metal guy that was blasting death metal out of his headphones, and he said that he was blasting a band called Carnal Bomb. That band never existed. That was a total bullshit lie. He just kind of made up this band Carnal Bomb, so Carnal Bomb was always like this fake band in our minds. Adam and I did a recording called Carnal Bomb at one point, but um, regardless... Carnal Tomb. I just thought that was too close. I, I really enjoyed that man. So one letter off. And, yeah, and not only that. Uh, yeah, one letter off. Not only that. I, all the time that I've known about CBT uh, from Germany, I never realized or thought to research that those guys would have been a more conventional death metal bands before kind of pioneering their own subgenre, as uh, um, uh, disturbing as it might be to some people. So yeah, Carnal Tomb, flatulent edemas of ejaculation. So I think they were foreshadowing where they were going there. But this is kind of like more your late 90s kind of farting. The bass washing sounds. Of the the kind of clangy barbell. bass has a farty Yeah, It's a really farty. Chooch.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a farty, old school, severe torture, but really yes. dried up.
0: Yeah. It's it, cool.
1: I, I, I like this. It has it's this fun. like
0: oh, like slightly sloppy, raw, underproduced... Like 90s Western American death metal sound, you know what I mean? It's really, but it's just funny to listen to this and think it's members of CBT. So, uh, long story short, I just wanted to bring this up. Big shout to Taylor, uh, Schrank, longtime listener and current bass player of Immortal Suffering, uh, for bringing Paired Amnion to my attention. And then after that, I kind of went on to Carnal Tomb and looked up these bands. So, I recommend you look them up too. Arnold Toom from Germany, man, pre-CBT. Uh, big shout to Karate Steve, all four members calling into the podcast tonight. We appreciate you. If you want to go back and check out old episodes or what else we got going on, you can just go to heavyoldpodcast.com. Social media, the Patreon, the email. You want to you send me an email? Go for it. I don't care.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy with Google. You can find us.
0: Yeah. No, let's not go there. I don't want anybody getting crazy with it. I right. put all my pens on my clipboards. Ask your friend. Yeah.
2: Ask your friends about it.
0: Yeah. Tell a friend to tell a friend that it's them again.
2: I like. I had the weird little, uh,
0: <coughs> a weird little
2: freak out about tomb and bomb being one letter off, but it's God, those are the facts. Yeah. And you know what else is a fact? Is you can go to heavyholepodcast you can check out merch. You can get patches. You can check out all the links. How many letters off are
0: tomb and bomb? One. One boy. We did it.